This is season number 19 of Bass Talk Live with Matt Pangrak. BTL is presented by Lorenz, Bass Cat Boats, Aftco, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Pro Guide Batteries, Beatdown Outdoors, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, and Omnia Fishing. Hit him with the hook, Jeffries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. And I, I honestly did not intend for it this way, but it turned out to be a West Coast week. We had the breaking news uh, about the Western Bass shootout going down. We'll have to ask our guest about that today because I think he would have benefited from something like that back in the day. Uh, and then we had Brett Hyde on yesterday. And then today we've got Justin Lucas on. Now, Justin is a, is a California dude. With a, who's an Alabama transplant. And there's a lot of those now, but you start to notice things. Like I've been around long enough now where I'm starting to notice things. And one of the things I notice is that some of the some of the Alabama traditions, maybe some of the the lingo. So I mean, like you get down there, you start hanging out with Gerald or hanging out with Joe Lee. I mean, that's gonna rub off on you. But I will say, out of all the years that I've known justin lucas like you're you still like if if you walk in anywhere people are like yeah that dude's not from here <laughs> dude yeah i would uh i would agree with that yeah i i, I haven't picked up now my wife sometimes i still can't understand her yeah and but, she's uh, from alabama too is it that didn't you meet her while you were at alabama in alabama or something yeah, dude. So I moved here. I broke up with my girlfriend in California. I told her I was going fishing and that it was more important than her, like exact words. Packed my stuff up, uh, moved to Alabama. I met my nice met my sister-in-law. She says, you need to meet my sister. Yeah, I was going to say, you need to change that. I know. I did the West Coast. It was a, it yeah. was fun. I was die. I got too many stats for today and I got all geeked out. All right, back to the life story. Yeah, so uh, she says, you need to meet my sister. I'm like, no, I'm good. I just met her to, or moved here to fish. You know, I'm not trying to meet any girls. And I thought, <laughs> she showed me she showed me a picture of her, and I'm like, well, she's pretty cute. And then we started talking, and the very first day I met her, I'm like, I'm going to marry this girl. And started telling all my buddies back in California, and they're like, yeah, you're never coming back. And I'm like, you're right. I'm, I'm never going back. So I have been here. Actually, I moved here January 2010. And now it's January 2023. So I haven't picked up any of the lingo. You don't ever say like, hey, you never you've never found yourself saying, hey, hon, <laughs> I'm fixing to go to the lake. Uh, dude, I might I might have used fixing a couple times by now. And I we never said y'all out in California. So that is one thing I've picked up. And it just makes more sense because there could be like a group of girls in California and you'd be like, what are you guys doing later? And I'm like, you call them really betties don't. out in California, right? Like flock really of, make, a flock yeah, of betties. I don't know about that, but <laughs> I thought that was the West coast lingo. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Uh, I'm I don't know disappointed. I, there yeah, should have been know. an over under on how long, how long it took me on BTL to forget to update the marquee sign, because I was very proud of that find. And I think it adds a lot to the show. It was somewhat I like it. It was somewhat disrespectful that you had to come into uh, Emodium AD Pro Brett Heights marquee. 
That's a that's a good guy to come in behind. I'm all dude, right. Dude, he is a freaking good dude, isn't he? He's awesome. He's been awesome since the first time I ever met him, and he's never changed. Uh, he's just yeah, he's a good guy. He flies under the radar a little bit, you know. I think he's, he's cool not, with that. Yeah, he, I think he loves it, and uh, the dude's an awesome fisherman and just a really cool guy. Yeah. Hey, it I wasn't like it. it wasn't appropriate to ask him this, but I'll ask you this: Do you think he's just made a king's ransom on the on the jackhammer, Justin? There's no telling, man. I I'm mean, sure dude, his, that has got to that has to have been a lucrative business venture since that thing came onto the scene. He uh, his bank account is probably just fine from the jackhammer alone you ever seen him upset like no, like really, really ticked off like he's one of those guys that i've never seen like i feel the like the only okay, time i've seen him mad is like when maybe when he's missed a cut or something and he knows he should have been in there or like if he didn't get around any fish but that's like the only time i've seen him mad he just doesn't okay. really get angry i found the s now i just need the l u the c don't worry a. about it dude no i don't have to because it. people are gonna watch the People are gonna watch the show and then look at look at it's just it looks like I'm remodeling back there because I just got my two little pegs. Yeah, I'll tell you what is crazy, dude. Back to accents is yeah. um, my son having an accent and really, I, yeah, it's weird. Like it's just weird because he doesn't talk like exactly like me. Oh, and That's he goes. Crazy. He's around other Alabama Alabamians. Oh, yeah. Alabamians, I guess. Yeah. Listen, I love it. I just said you're from the West Coast, so this is definitely. No, I do. I love the Southern accent too. I love living here. I'm never leaving. I, this place is to me the best place on earth. So, <clears throat> all right, people are amazing. Yeah, state's amazing. Bodies of water, amazing. Nothing to complain about. I have seen uh, via social media that you've been doing a little bit of the, I guess, boat show tackle show circuit. Yeah. Well, one, I did one in Sun in Fort Worth area this past week. My question is this: uh, how, how was it? How is the attendance at those things? Is that a a dying art, or is there so much online now that people like it's almost like coming around where people are like, "Oh, it's not a live stream like this. I get to actually go shake Justin Lucas's hands." Like, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the shows, boat shows, fishing expos, meet and greets in twenty? 20- wow. 23 uh i mean i don't know if people care to meet me at the place but i'm sure they like coming and putting things in their hand you know a rod a reel uh seeing tackle even for me you know i can get on tackle warehouse all the time which i do but it's something to be in a tackle store and see that swim bait or see that bait even berkeley stuff because i don't get to see everything Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nowhere for me to go to see everything. So like they had a great, uh, a, a ton of Berkeley stuff uh, at this place last week and I'm going through and I'm literally like saving things and colors and making orders on my phone later when I get to the hotel room, uh, you know, through the way that we make orders uh, being a sponsored angler or whatever. But it was awesome to be there and see everything in person and be like, oh, I need that. I, I didn't think about that, you know, and so, yeah, I still like uh, being in person at places. Everybody seemed to – there was a lot of people there, dude. There really was, and uh, it was a great show. It always is. Fun and Sun does a great job. Um, so I don't think it's a dying breed or anything. I think 
you know, and I think, well, you know, between the online stuff and then when COVID hit, there was a kind of a consensus that like that stuff was going to be real hard to rebound, but it sounds like from what you're saying, I I think people miss that stuff, you know, like I think they got a taste. This is my opinion. And maybe for like my wife and my family and I personally, but like we went to Costco a couple of days ago and we haven't had a Costco membership since COVID. And, um, anyway she was like it's nice to be back in here with like a bunch of people and stuff and i think people probably feel the same way about shows it's just it's nice you realize it's uh you know i don't know life is about family community relationships stuff like that so you can't get all that on just experienced online you know yeah that's fair costco better than sam's i mean i've got the sam's card dude it is man we we switched to cricket wireless a year ago yeah so funny story about that real quick is we're up at Champlain. Jacob Wheeler is hanging out with me and Jordan at the little cabins up there or whatever. And he's the only one with service. I'm like, dude, what kind of service do you have? My phone, I can't get service. And he's like, I got cricket wireless. I'm like, you got cricket wireless? Like, come on, dude. That's, <laughs> that's your life. And he's like, no, bro, I swear. And he shows me his phone. You know, it says cricket. I'm like, dude. So I go and uh, switch. I've been with Verizon forever. Yeah, I'm all nervous about switching phone companies. Oh heck yeah! But we we saved like ninety eight or ninety six dollars a month for the exact same stuff to switch to Cricket Wireless, and I've had better service uh, ever since I I switched to Cricket Cricket Wireless. But so when we when we switched to Cricket, we got a free year at Sam's Club. Okay, and we were there for the past year, and I, I don't know I. I like Costco better. The one thing that's cool about Sam's Club, though, I don't even know why we're talking about Sam's Club right now. Because this is important. This is important stuff. People, all of our listeners, I'd say 90% of them have the decision to make between Costco and Sam's Club. And especially if you're if you're a tournament fisherman, there's a lot of value to be had there for tournament week. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. So watch this. um, Watch this. Let's see. Hopefully you spelled it right. Yes. Looking there good. There we go. <clears throat> Looking good. All right. Costco. Yeah, we like we like Costco. The cool thing about Sam's, I was gonna say that Costco doesn't have is you can take your phone and like scan everything as you're going and just pay for it that way. The lines at Costco were super long. But other got, than that, we like Costco. I've got it right there. There's my Sam's Club app. Dude, that thing's cool. Really cool. <clears throat> I just bought a computer chair there too. Nice. All right. Uh, you want to talk about some bass fishing? Let's talk about whatever you want, dude. Well, almost whatever you want. <laughs> I'm sure if I told you that, you would come up with some stuff. So I can't. Oh, tell, I've got some stuff, Justin. I, I can't tell you whatever you want because you would, you would, yeah, that wouldn't be good, probably. Uh, it feels <laughs> like this year's quote unquote off season. And there is an off season. There is a gap in, in tournaments has been longer than average. I feel that way every year. Really? Yeah, dude. I feel that way every year. I so wish we had professional tournaments in the fall. I mean, I get it, but man, I wish we went to like at least the end of October, like two or three months off is max. We're right now we're at four months. Even with hunting season, you think if there was a three tournament, independent circuit big i don't know i mean i don't know if it would do well but i would like to see it i would fish them 
I get, I, I don't get bored, man. I got, I mean, there's still plenty to do. And I love my big thing in the off season is just really catching up on family time, like trying mm -hmm. to have quality family time. And uh, as much as I love that, like I still have things going on, but at the end of the day, I, I mean, I just want to be competitive and get out there and fish in tournaments. You know, so. How long do you think? So I always find myself, especially with the opens that last quarter or half of the season, you get into this deal where like, you're dialed in. That's the only term. Whether you're catching them or not, you're dialed in. You're not thinking about the process. You're reacting like you feel like you're you're in the grind. Yeah. And then and then it takes a while to get back into that at the beginning of the year. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you kind of get that? I feel too? that way every single year, dude. And then you wish, well, why didn't I fish more during the off season? So I maintained that <clears throat> feeling that I had at the end of the year, built on it and took it into next season instead of having a little bit of kind of reset or feeling like you're starting over. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I restart every single year uh, and maybe, but at the same time, dude, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe if we did like try and keep it rolling over, you don't want to get burned out. You know, that's mm -hmm. what ha does happen to guys in the sport, dude, is they'll get burned out. Like they're just nonstop, go, 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 go. And I felt like I, I was that way probably a little bit earlier in my career. But once you have a family and stuff, like it's hard to be that way. So it's good to take a little bit of a break, reset. It's the break's just a little too long for me. That's all. I got gotcha. you. Um, what? I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up this. Was it like uh, your girlfriend texting you or something right now? No, no, no. I'm pulling up the document because it had been a it had been a hot minute since I had done some hardcore uh, research. I got you. I've, I've got some hardcore research. So uh, one of the things I've gotten into this year already, uh, Brett Height and I talked a lot about the old FLW days. I'm going to tie these shows together. <clears throat> okay. And you've talked a lot about that, too, about how important uh, the FLW uh, Western Series and Division was to your transition to the front of the boat uh, in 2010 on the FLW Tour, your affiliation uh, with National Guard, uh, especially starting as a co-angler. Like, we don't have to go into all that. Yeah. Uh, unless you have a burning desire to cover that again. No, just whatever you got. Here's my question. How did you get on the National Guard team, though? Was that someone where they were like, hey... This, this is a, like, how did that come about? Like out of all the co-anglers, how did you get picked? So, uh, I know exactly how I got picked. Um, and it was just kind of like, I mean, dude, it was, I, mean, I wouldn't say anything else. Like if I look back at everything, it's like, yeah, I'm putting myself in the right place at the right time, but I would be lying to myself if it wasn't orchestrated, like literally the Lord's work, dude, I, I swear, because things just work out so perfectly where I, I couldn't have planned it so perfect myself. I drew Art Ferguson in 2006 in the fall on Wheeler Lake for yep. a Strand Series championship. And he is staying with this guy named Sergeant Franco Laughlin, who was merging this National Guard and FLW thing together. And they were friends somehow. Out of 200 boats, I draw the guy staying with the guy that's putting this deal together and fished with Art that day. And Art could just tell, you know, I was, uh, what was I, 19 or 20 at the time. And Art could tell I was hungry, uh, maybe a decent little fisherman at the time, had a lot to learn, um, but went back to his hotel room that night and was like, hey, if you're going to do this West Coast thing, 
you need to look at this guy. And that's how, and then I got the phone call, had the interview and that's how it all started. I mean, dude, if I, if I don't draw Art Ferguson, things might be different, you know, to this day. So wow, what's Art Ferguson up to? I don't know. He, he used to guide at St. Clair in the summer and then Toho Kissimmee in the, in the winter. I don't know if he's still doing that or not. That's a wild story, man. I know, dude. I'm telling you, I've had crazy things happen, and I can't say it's I can't say it's all me, dude. There's no way. Yeah, but listen, you could have been just a real tool during that day, and Art could have <laughs> just gone back and not said anything. So I think Polinick is like something about where preparate luck or something about preparation and luck merging or something like that. So you're obviously doing something right to be able to take advantage of these. So I think you, you have s- to have a lot of credit. You still have to. You still have to, you know, put your, you still do have to put yourself in those opportunities. You know, had I not been fishing the strand series, you know, I was working at the time thinking about, you know, I was thinking about what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Fishing doesn't work. And, and being a fireman was like the only thing on my radar that I could do that would allow me time to fish. And I was kind of getting to that age where it was like, all right, either fishing's going to have to start working or I'm going to have to start doing something. And then, that fall, uh, I had one a boat or two boats like mm-hmm. within that 2006 year. And then that fall, get the deal. I think my entries were $600. So they were paying my four entry fees, which was $2,400 at the time for 2007 and 2008. And that's, and then I won, you know, I won a few of those events. And Did you uh, went four in seven and eight? I won four. And, but in 06, uh, you want, well, let's start from the beginning before we get into that, because I have stats about that. So let's set okay. the scene. You're young right. Justin Lucas. You're obsessed with playing the flute. You're a flute player. Uh, the, <laughs> is that it? Is, wanna... is that inaccurate? Dude, my mom made me play the flute when I was like in third grade and okay. I went to one lesson and quit. Okay, it's so soft. you're you're young, you're a young firing flute player, yeah. um, with fire with a bunch of firemen <laughs> on your walls because that's what you're aspiring to be. Uh, then you no, get, I wasn't aspiring to be that. It was then like you, then you roll. Man. Then you roll into the the. T- this is why know. you can't give Matt Pangrak free reign, everyone. Everyone. This is called research. This is called research. Uh, what are you like the, hitting up my old teachers and stuff, dude? Uh, so you roll into the 2006 Toyota Western Series Division. You're like 18 years old, right? Uh, In 17, yeah. 18, right? Yeah. So your very first event ever. This is interesting because I think a lot of people have experienced a situation similar to this, and you can't let it deter you. You double zero. As a co-angler, you double zero your first derby ever, a Toyota Series on Havasu out of 200 right. boats. Never caught a keeper. I think your your pro the first day had like three for seven five, and your pro the second day had one for like two nine. Yeah, it was tough. What do you remember about that? Dude, it sucked. It sucked. And I remember um I remember thinking like, I don't know if the back of the boat is for me, because you gotta remember, or maybe you don't, but I've told the story a couple of times, but I grew up fishing with my grandpa mostly. Yep. And he wasn't a fisherman, much of a fisherman at all. And he bought a boat just so we could fish. And he always let me drive the boat, always let me run the trolling motor. So this is my first time fishing as a co-angler out of the back of the boat. And I blanked both days. So even though the fishing was really tough, like I never, I don't even think I had a bite 
No, uh, ninety-eight out of the two hundred co-anglers actually zeroed that turn. Yeah, it was it was tough, dude. dude that's tough. <laughs> was that's it? Did tough. the lake suck then, or was it just a brutal? I think it was cold. It was like February, uh, or maybe even the end of January, and it was just like cold and, and tough, man. It just wasn't good. Uh, I don't. I, don't I feel like that's was... an excuse because also fishing as a co-angler in that tournament was Cody Meyer, and he top tended it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, my friend at the time won it, uh, John Bilheimer. He won. He was the guy that I was fishing team tournaments with and stuff, and he won it. He was 16. And, um, you know, I watch him win. He's younger than me, and I double blank. And I'm like, gosh, I got to be fishing as a boater. Like, this isn't, you know, this isn't the deal. <laughs> yeah. That was my first thought. And it was easy to get that thought because, you know, watching him win and then doing, and then me not doing good at all and we fished together all the time, it made me think that, you know, I should just be a boater. But it was so much more expensive to do. I mean, at the time, did you know any of the quote-unquote pros? Like, you weren't buddies with Skeet or had any, like, no, major no, no, mentor? No. I mean, you're just a dude. You're just a I know, I know, playing no firefighter one. jumping in a derby. <laughs> no, I know no one, dude. No one. Wow. Uh, just and local then, guys, you know, like our local – local guy yeah yeah yeah, not, yeah no no big name guys or anything uh so then you had an so then your third out of the four as a co-angler you decimate everyone on shasta and i think this is a this is a very interesting tournament it looked like it was brutally tough and then it was like mega sacks galore the last couple of days of the event you won by like 13 pounds you're like three yeah. tournaments into your co-angler career so you ze double zero you have a good tournament and then you blow every what what happened on Shasta for the weights on that? Okay, so the only way that happened, there's really two little stories I got to tell about that. So I go up there and practicing, and this, the spots are just biting the tail of a worm on a dart head, right? They're like literally bite the worm in half. And I thought, man, you know, bites as a co-angler will just be good. You just need to get bit. So I left a tag in on a knot on a dart head, which is basically kind of like an exposed shaky head, but a mm -hmm. darter head. I left a tag in and tied a number four drop shot hook on the end and threaded it through the tail of the worm. And stinger hook. Stinger hook on a robo a robo worm at the time. And um anyways, uh start catching all these fish on the back hook. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is actually working, you know? And uh, draw, I think I drew Matt Newman the first day. Was that right? Uh, that would have been the second day, Justin, because he only day. had like six and a half pounds with him the second day, but everyone on the second day sucked. Yeah, the first day I did, I think I had like 12 something or maybe 11 something. Yeah. Um, but I remember, uh, I remember even losing a fish, like for a split second, the big hook came out, like, for a split second and the back, the stinger hook got the fish in the bottom of the lip. And so I, I end up still catching the fish and it's the stinger hook got him in the bottom of the lip. So anyway, that was pretty cool. But so I draw this guy named Dave Noller. Uh, he was probably in his mid sixties at the time and uh, draw him. He's got the best spot on the lake. It's way up the Sacramento arm. I mean, it was just, you just go, he would just go in there and, sit on his little folding chair all day throwing a worm around <laughs> and crazy thing is 
he was, I, you know, I'm me, I'm like, oh, kind of probably a little cocky. I'm like, man, I got this, got this special rig, you know, and all this. And then lo and behold, dude, he's like, come look at my boat. And he shows me, he's throwing the same idea. He's throwing a stinger, a worm with a stinger hook in it. And I'm like, no way. So at least we're going to be in an area. He's like, I got a big area. We're going to go there, sit all day. So another one of these crazy things that happened, dude. Uh, we're fishing that day and i miss a fish and i'm like man that was a good fish and he throws right in that spot turns around in his little chair i'll never forget it and he throws right where i'm reeling in from and catches a four and a half pound smallmouth wow and i i'm like dude i could have used that you know like that kind of sucks like he got that fish i know that's the one i just lost he threw right back in there well had he not done that we wouldn't have been paired together on the final day ah so the only reason i won that tournament really to be honest with you is because he catches that fish keeps me in second not in first and it bumps him from being in third or fourth up to second and so because we were both second after day three we draw each other again for day four and the guy that won the tournament mark medock as a pro if i would have drawn him he was fishing a swim bait on bridge pilings so you have no chance, not a prayer. Yeah, you're toasted. And I think the guy that was leading that day caught six pounds, you know, as a co that drew him, he ended up catching six pounds. So had I not drawn Dave Noller and him catch that fish and everything work out like that, there's no way, uh, there's no way that him and I, you know, that I win that tournament and win a brand new boat at 19. You said uh, your quote on that tournament was, first of all, I want to say that I fish with the greatest guy in the world, Dave Nolar. Yeah. Uh, I've never had so much fun hanging out with a 60-year-old guy before. <laughs> that was, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, gives me, it gives me chills, man, because like him and I still talk. Uh, we just talked a couple weeks ago. He's a, I think he's 83 now, mm -hmm. um, but he's just a good dude. And I, after that tournament, we, you know, we had a friendship that started from that. And I, I started practicing with him for okay. all those National Guard tournaments after that. And he is the one that really taught me how to be a finesse, finesse fisherman and how to fish a drop shot and all that kind of stuff. Like I learned more fishing with him, practicing with him after that than uh, I ever learned before that. Dave Noller, N-O-L-L-A-R legend in southern california man just is he still is he I, I have is he still fish yeah he still even fishes he goes up to alaska every summer and he um he his son has a halibut charter service up there and uh he's just an incredible guy man his son fishes too brian and uh just good family <laughs> good people he was a principal he was a high school principal and he was retired you know after i met him so Kind of made sense that he kind of took me under his wing and was so good with me. He worked with teenagers his whole life, you know, and just a good, good guy. Dude, that's came, a great story. He even came to my wedding. How have I he not was, heard this story? Him and his before. wife came to my wedding. Have you know. told this story before? Maybe a couple times, but not like <clears throat> we don't get, you know, there's so much to tell. There's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Uh, you, you did mention, so you mentioned your buddy, uh, John, who won the first event. Yes. I thought it was funny in this article. Uh, you won the third, he won the first, and your quote was, yeah, I guess we're just trying to make a name for ourselves. So, <laughs> so you definitely, I mean, definitely succeeded in that aspect. Well, 
I don't know if I made a name for myself at that point, but we were we were trying. We were pretty motivated, young guys for sure. <clears throat> All right, I want to take the first break. Of the show when we come back, uh, we'll 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 skip ahead a year a year to 2007 because back to back 2007 2008 we're still in the back of the boat but you did something that was pretty impressive on the columbia river yeah but it's how you did it that i want to get into okay and what you did it with so it's btl on a wednesday january 18th with justin lucas we'll be back right after this introducing hds pro watch fish reacting to your lure live with Active Target 2. Get game-changing clarity in the megahertz range with the new Active Imaging HD Sonar. Find the richest fishing spots with CMAPS charts. Take full control of your boat with the ultimate fishing system, HDS Pro. The more you see, the more you catch. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough. And I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up. You're bad about getting water that runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down rain. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got enough pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the water member brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you don't want to just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting strap we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down all right, welcome back, BTL, on a Wednesday. Do want to mention that I talked with Brian Head yesterday, and uh, unbeknownst to me, Michael Neal had been working on a new spinning rod over at uh, Denali in the Covert Series, the uh, 762 MS, 7-foot, 6-inch, medium action. It's what he does for all of his offshore drop shotting. Uh, so go check that thing out. Obviously, Michael Neal, he's caught a few fish over the last couple of years. As have you, Justin. I mean, you're... Right up there is one of the top three or four guys that have this thing figured out now. Now you're going back to five fish. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, Michael and uh, Wheeler, they've obviously won, and Connell, they've been winning. I haven't won. I've been close and had a lot of top tens, but they definitely had it dialed the past couple of years. You are, uh, 
you're seven for 27 against Jacob Wheeler. Like, I mean, we've had you on before. You're like, dude, when we're in the top, I I want to be in regular season events, regular season events. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, dude, you look at, he never finished below 11th this year. He's got the, uh, the AOYs. He's got the titles. He's got the trophies. I mean, he's the guy that guys are gunning for. So that's who you're, you're, you're gunning for. You're on his level, but he's gotten the better of you. What have you done this off season to up that 25.6% that, I mean, you're beating him 25.6% of the time. You, yeah. You'd like to see it maybe more 50-50, I would imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. So uh, what, what have you done during the off season? Well, I haven't been pre-practicing at all the past couple of years because I've been okay. doing both tours. Uh, and it's just really, it's tough doing both ter- tours, being able to pre-practice. But I've already gone and pre-practiced uh, three lakes so far. So, really? you know, you got to look at it. Like, you know, Wheeler's doing that. Uh, he's winning. It's obviously still a player, especially with electronics and everything now. Um, as advanced as they are, you have to have as many, you know, you have to have as many spots as possible to be able to keep up with these guys. So, um, yeah. And we only have two days of practice. So it's kind of even more like a reason to go pre practice. So I've done that a few times where the past couple of years I haven't really done it at all. I guess I, I, when I was going through, because for some reason the BPT stats you have to look up individually. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's got all your FLW and all that stuff, but then nothing. Yeah, I don't know why they haven't fixed that yet. Uh, but I, I think we're taking for granted how much he's like in the top three. Like I go to the tournament, it's just like Jacob Wheeler. Jacob, it's like holy cow, dude. There, I mean, you could maybe you can tell me somebody different. But well, but dude, here's the deal. He's seven. You're seven for twenty-seven against him, but there's like a ton of those where you finish like sixth, or fifth, or eighth, like out of eighty guys, and he's like second or third or fourth. I know, I know. Um, he this past year, even though he didn't win a tournament, that I I don't know. Maybe you can go back and do it, but I think that's the most consistently high finished professional season ever before, than ever. Dude, he only missed the top 10 one time, and it was 11th place. No I think one he did that on purpose. <laughs> I know Aaron. I'm pretty sure when Aaron won AOY in 2015, he had the best year ever up at that point. He won two events, but his average, I think, was like 15th place. Well, let's look it up. So I'm just saying to average in the inside the top 10 is – that's absurd. That's a yeah one in one in eight, basically a one in eight chance. So 2015. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's pretty strong there. Uh, so 2015, he goes third. Oh yeah, I remember he had a 66 that I think might have kept him from the greatest season ever. He had a third, a a, a 66, a second, yeah, a first. A fifteenth, a thirteenth, a first, and a sixth, and a twenty-eighth in the AOY. Yeah, that. Oh my gosh! Look at that year. That was insane year. On the elites to this day. One, two, three, four, five, six top six finishes. 
I know that because when I won AOI a few years after, I'm like, I wonder how, like, what my average was versus not even year. close. No, I think he was like 15th, 14th or 15th, and I was like 21st or 22nd place average. He was off the, off the charts that year, dude. That's absolutely insane. All right, I want to go back to uh, 2007, 2008. You win back-to-back co-angler on the Columbia River, uh, but I thought it was interesting, and I don't hear you talk about this a, a lot. I, I still am steadfast in my refusal to throw it, but uh, I think a little-known fact about you is you've probably won more money on a Carolina rig in your career than most of the guys on tour. Because you've won two tournaments as a co-angler in the back. I won fifty grand on a on a Carolina. So you've won fifty <laughs> grand on a Carolina rig, which I find intriguing and also disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I, I never even threw a Carolina rig before that. Uh, I was up there practicing with Dave Noller, and I'm like, man, I wonder if this will if this will work. And it was a little four inch. You can imagine what it was a little four inch stick bait. And I was like, I'm going to try this thing on a Carolina rig. People throw a speed craw up here on a Car- you know on a Carolina rig that was popular, and then everyone was drop shotting and whatever else. And dude, that thing was just it was the deal. Like when I tried that in practice, it didn't matter where I went, where Dave took us, we would catch fish on it. And then throughout the tournament, literally the last day, uh, my boater goes, "Hey man, I'm in 115th place. You got a chance to win this thing. Where do you want to go?" And I remember telling him, just take me anywhere there's a ledge. It doesn't even matter. And we go down river and we're fishing on this ledge, which is the Columbia River is the only thing that's really kind of like the Tennessee River on the West Coast. And so you're out there, you know, off a big flat on a ledge and just dragging this Carolina rig, catching two to three pounds smallmouth, you know, 12 pounds was a good bag. But it was the deal. I think I won that tournament by like a few pounds, four or five pounds. And then backed it up. And then the next year went back with the same thing and did it again. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. It was about as, <laughs> as simple as it gets. <laughs> did you get to the point, uh, did you get to the point over that three-year period, 06, 07, 08? I mean, you have five, six wins, tons of top tens. Now you're showing up with the National Guard where you'd get in guys' boats and they would be like, oh my gosh, I'm fishing with Justin Lucas today. Like not uh, like not I mean they everyone knew who you were though when you got in the boat with them, but like they had a good chance know. of getting their butt kicked. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I mean, I was still a co-angler, so but I did like and this is what I tell people when I'm like, Hey, I think it's a great idea to be a co-angler. Most people go out there and they're like, Oh, I just had terrible draws, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Man, I always wanted to draw. I didn't want to draw Gary Dobbins or Brent Ayler or Brett Height. Like I wanted to draw the guys that were just kind of average, you know, and that were Mm -hmm. around some fish and that they couldn't catch all the fish and they were going to leave space for me to catch some. Those were the guys I wanted to draw. So, I mean, every time they were like, put my name with the big guy's name, I'm like, oh gosh, that's tomorrow's going to be tough. That's not going to be fun. But when it was a guy maybe I hadn't heard or whatever, it was like, okay, this we have a chance here. This is gonna be could be good. Kind of for the co-anglers, uh, and I fish the opus too. And sometimes you know it's kind of you have to you know let them know when you're gonna make a move, what's going on. Like, what's kind of your rule as a boater when you're fishing as a co-angler uh, to make sure uh, that that 
you know, you're efficient and that you're not like wasting any time. Like do you give the guys like a three or four minute heads up and kind of what are your expectations of your co-anglers when the guy says, Hey, when you say it's time to roll, what are kind of your co-angler expectations? I still have, because of coming as a co-angler, I still have, uh, like this, I just have, it's like, um, instilled in me or whatever that I just do it second nature, but I tell people like a caster two ahead of time, Hey, we're about to leave every time. doesn't matter if it's camera guy. doesn't matter if it's boat official. doesn't matter if it's a co-angler. I give everybody mm-hmm. a heads up because I remember being a co-angler and like, you know, I would just tell like, Hey, just give me a heads up and I'll be down there before you, but just tell me. Mm-hmm. And so well, I now know you're just lying on BTL, Justin. Why? Well, because on March 13th, 2008, you, you were fishing in the FLW National Guard Western Division Tournament. Okay. And you caught a 13-pound, 9-ounce behemoth. <laughs> yeah. and, and Jeff Billings said, dude, we have to go. But you said, yeah. just one more cast. That is and true. And that is when you caught the 13 died. So, so that's true. It was the end of the day. That is, I would say, the one time that we were in Frank's track. There was all these big fish being caught. And I had four three-pounders and a 12-incher. And uh, I remember Jeff picking up the trolling motor, and he's like, dude, we got to go. And I remember watching him strap down his rods. And you and said, said, no, I'm, gonna I'm make, still I'm fishing. Gonna make one more, no, I said, I'm going to make one more cast. And he's like, make it quick. And I pitch out a drop shot on a bait cast and, you know, go to pick up, dude. My line's swimming away from the toolies. I'm set the hook. And, you know, we both start freaking out because we know this is a giant. We know the time's crunched. Um, He's going, do you want me to put the trolling motor back in the water or do you want me to grab the net? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's hung up right there. So he's going up to the front to put the trolling motor down and it comes out of the toolies and just starts swimming right towards the boat. Comes, jumps next to the boat. He nets it a 13-9. And uh, it was the last cast. We made it back with like 20 seconds or whatever to spare. Something ridiculous. And the screwed up thing about that was you didn't, it wasn't even the biggest fish that crossed the scales that day. No, dude. There was a guy from, I can't remember his name. Uh, Maybe you have it there. He was from uh, Davis, California. He caught a 13-11 as a Mm -hmm. pro that day. And then the very next day, the dude caught like a 12, 13 or a 12, 14, something insane. Dude, that was when it was, I mean, it was insane back then. So currently competing today, you have to have, so Mark, Mark Tyler doesn't fish at the top level anymore. Uh, you have to have, you have to be the guy who's weighed in the biggest bass in a tournament competing at the professional level. Potentially, I don't know. There Maybe. haven't been many. 13, I mean, dude, that there haven't about... been any thirteen nines weighed in, Justice. <laughs> I, uh, Justin, I would put, I would put money on it that out of everyone competing at the top level of professional fishing, BPT Bassmaster Elite Series, there's no one competing on that series right now that has weighed in anything thirteen nine or bigger. Maybe not. I don't know. I never thought about it. Is that your it biggest fish big. ever? Oh yeah, by far. Yeah. Oh, well, I caught, um, I weighed in at 1191 at the Delta one time in a tournament. And then I at, actually at uh, Toho a couple of years ago, I caught like an 11 and a half pounder. That, and then I've had a couple others over 10. 
Do you have any of those freak show stories where you hook a freight train and can't do anything with it and gives you nightmares? I lost one at the St. John's River on the final day in 2014 that I'm just going to see if I can find the picture while I'm telling the story because right. you you know Shay Baker. Yep. That was when he first started getting all the GoPro stuff going. And it was the end of the day, 30 minutes to go before I have to make my 40 minute run back. And the, it was real cloudy out there on Lake George. And there was all these holes in the eelgrass, you know, where these fish are spawning and the sun came out for a minute. And I found this fish dude that I'm like, one of those ones that just makes your knees start shaking. Like as soon as you, uh, as soon as you see it, and I put the poles down. I'm like, well, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to sit here for 30 minutes until I have to go in and try and get this thing to bite. And uh, on my very last cast, again, I get that fish to bite. And I set the hook like a pansy and lose that fish, dude. And it was, I don't know if you guys can see it or not right there. Yeah, that looks that's, like Loch Ness Monster. That's zoomed in. So here's the photo. There it is. Is that out. online or is that like in your photo, in your actual gallery? Like in your photo? I, sa I saved it in my photos. But so you can see right there, this is just the GoPro that Shay oh my know, gosh. had set up on the boat. But dude. It looks like it's Photoshop, Justin. I'm telling you, it was like a 12 or 13 pounder. It was Oh, what, what'd you look it on? Uh, Berkeley power hog, four inch power hog. Oh, so you had string. You weren't finessing it. No, dude. And look how, look how bad that hook set is. Look how far I'm leaned back. Like I just set the hook like a total pansy and that's why I lost it. What do you explain to, to me? What do you mean you I set the drive, hook like a pansy? Like I just, I didn't get a good hook set on it. Like I was up, I had my rod tip up too high, felt the bite, didn't drop it far enough, set it from too high. It comes up, jumps, and spits. But um, oh my gosh! Yeah, I had to set the rod. Like I literally had no time. I had to set the rod down. Didn't even get a pitch back in there another time, and strap it down and ride all the way back to Palatka. Just thinking about that thing. So that sucked. That's said, what the day one was that? Fish. Did you say? What that was, was the final it? day. I would have. Oh got my second. gosh! You never would've got another got, chance. We would have probably got second with it. Uh, Chris Lane blew that tournament out of the water, if you remember. But um, that's the one fish I lost a really big one at Sam Rayburn a couple of years ago on live. But that one right there, I would rather have than any other fish I've ever lost. Well, not any other fish I've ever lost, but I would rather seen that one. Yeah, we got some uh, the peanut galleries chiming in. James said you didn't give him the onions. The onions. Yeah, that's when when you just reeled out and really crank them. It's you've oh, never yeah. heard of the term giving them the onions. No, I should have gave him a lot of onions on that one, dude. That was Sean one. says, dude, you gotta crank and swing. I know, look, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I I have set the hook a lot harder on big fish ever since then. And I caught some big ones in that tournament. It was just that one fish caught me off guard. I sat there for 30 minutes pitching in the hole and I just didn't expect it to bite on my last cast yeah i've heard uh peter i've heard mark menendez a story about hooking there's a couple guys with those stories about just hooking cartoonish like fish that one yeah but i mean dude there's a 
everyone's like, well, everyone's got the story about losing the big one. But if you think about it at the odds, like you're more likely to lose a big one. Nothing. When you get over a certain size, you're talking bone structure, power, jaw, bite size. They're taking the bait differently. Now all your stuff is out of whack as opposed to, to that fish that you're fighting. Like, yeah, you're going to lose a disproportionate number of the absolute behemoths because, I mean, we're not we're not fishing stuff that's designed for fifteen pound fish. I mean, we're not. I mean, those are like flathead catfish size, striper <laughs> size stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just, it's harder just, to just penetrate. Look at this thing one more time, dude. Just look at that. I'm zoomed in as far as it'll let me go. That's the Loch, tell me Loch, that's Loch Ness monster. Freak, that was a freak. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, I think if you have an exposed hook, or you know, like if if you were going to hook a big fish on a single swim bait or maybe like Josh Jones is doing it on a swim jig, you know, with just this exposed hook, like you get a good, you get a good, he's obviously catching these big fish with one hook and he's getting a good hook in them. I think when you start talking about soft plastics and Texas rig and all that kind of stuff, your odds probably do start going down just naturally compared to like a big open gaff hook like that yeah uh who mentioned that oh yeah clay talked about and it was he didn't really talk about it much but did you do you know any deets on the didn't roy hawk catch a freaking like 18 pounder on fork or something like a 17 eight they never really uh, got an actual weight he got like a nessie size bass i think i remember josh telling me about that but yeah. it was something in there was something about it in like practice and there were people around yes. or he didn't yes. get a great weight on it and then he didn't want to put it in the live well because it, just there was a bunch of stuff like not not sketchy stuff but just stuff to where he was just like you know what fish of a lifetime not really gonna blow it out of the water i'm gonna try to win the tournament and he just slid it back yeah yeah i mean i heard about that fish i never saw it i don't think but uh no, I heard it was a monster. Dude, if you know. fish long enough, you've got everyone has the one story of something that's just seared into their brain. It doesn't matter yeah. how long it is. Like, you'll be able to tell that story of that fish to your kids 30 years from now. You'll be like, let me tell you about this time down in Florida. That's why, you know what? Actually, I'm going to take another screenshot of that picture just in case I ever lost it. That was a good call. Because I want to be able to show people too. That's the cool thing about yeah. cameras, man, is like being able to show people. Like, it is. I'm, not, I'm not lying. Like, this was a really big one. Like, is that the one that's out of every fish you've hooked or lost? That's the one that sticks out in your entire life so far. That's the one I would like to see. But one that I lost would have been it, the one that I lost probably actually would have been at uh, Heavy Hitters this year. Because Ott beat me by one fish, and I lost like a six pounder when I went on a little flurry at the end of the day, and that would have that would have done it. All right, you good for That's one more segment? Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, I, you got kids inside. I call. I uh, they're you, at the playground, dude. Oh, they're at the playground. So I called Justin yesterday to make sure because Justin's one of the you're approaching the level of hard to get a hold of. Like you're kind of oh, there already. On. No, I mean you're really good at it. It's just you have a lot of people that want a lot of your time, right? It's a good thing. 
I mean, you're not like the Ike or Kevin where you have to. I go, don't ever you have turn to go you down. through. You have to, there's a couple people that you have to go through to get to, right? Yeah, I mean, you I'm can call there. them, but it just doesn't play. So you like, you're like, hey, is Ike available for this? Or, but yeah, you're approaching that. You'll be there in a couple of years. No, dude. No. But anyway, so I call him, <laughs> and and he he's like, hey, I'm on the phone. He calls me back, and it sounds like you're in a. Not an atrium, not an ava avatorium. What is it where you walk in and there's it's all just birds and they're free flying birds? It's like an Alfred Hitchcock's know. dream, but they're yeah, real. An a ava avatorium is that what it's called? I don't know, man. Someone help me out here on the instant feedback, so but it's I'm like, like, it's like an aquarium for birds. Yeah, you've never been in one of those, like you go in, all yeah. the those sides are mesh, and then it's like an aviary. You've never been in an aviary, like no, at the at a zoo so. or anywhere where you go. Oh, and it's maybe. like it's a maybe. big giant dome, Justin. Big giant maybe. dome. You walk in, there's like peacocks, some like Cornish game hens that are alive, sorts of like grouse, potentially some grouse. But then there's maybe, all sorts of exotic I, birds just flying free. Maybe, but it wasn't like, oh, we're going in the aviary or whatever, dude. It's like we're just gonna walk in here. No, I've you're never really, heard that. I feel like you're really underselling the aviary and I'm really overselling it. Yeah, I feel like you are too. But my kids do that's what it sounds like. I will yeah. agree with you. I know so you're going on that. I said, Are you watching the movie We Bought a Zoo? Yeah, I've never heard of it. You've never heard of that movie. It's like the never greatest PG rated movie of all time. We're gonna have to rent it then. Well, we'll check it out just for you, Matt. It's I don't know or twelve years old. PG is okay for a one and a five year old. It a hundred percent is. It's it's Matt Damon, uh, and it's Scarlett Johansson, and it is a it is a kid friendly. Basically, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but they buy a zoo. Hence the title, right? We bought a zoo. Yeah. Uh, good details there, Matt. <laughs> all right. Uh, we've reminisced. We've talked about a lot of stuff. I want to get into the present and the future uh, moving forward. I saw some uh, some bait questions, some people wanting to get the inside scoop. Berkeley coming out with a bunch of new stuff, wanting to see okay. uh, maybe what's on your radar there. Uh, yep. BPT for this year moving forward. Uh, I, I personally think you are – you got to be in the top five of favorites for Redcrest, man. I mean that fishery should should suit you this time of the year with what you like to do. So uh we'll be back with Justin Lucas Wednesday, January 18th, right after this. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polnick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different and really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic. That gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.exxonlures.com and check them out for yourself. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. 
It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Combining one of the most popular hook styles with Gamakatsu's beefier Superline offering, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The round band offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, and 5-aught, this is the most durable worm hook, designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success, and that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. All right, we are back with Justin Lucas. And during the commercial break, I can see the kind of behind stage deal. And Justin is feverishly hunting and pecking from his uh, wide array of, of tackle. I saw a, uh, I saw a couple questions uh, earlier of guys going, hey, a lot of new stuff out on the market. What are some of your favorite picks? Now, obviously, they're probably going to be pure fishing, Berkeley related, because it's, I mean, that you've been that guy. I was going back when I was doing my research and you were catching them on a Berkeley worm in like 2007. I've been like with 2006, time, 2007. Man. I was shocked even back then. Like the very first couple, it was the the, the, the robo worm. But then, I mean, it, it's like, I'm doing the math. I'm like, that's like 15 years. So that's what's crazy is my whole relationship with Berkeley started when I worked at a tackle store in California, Fisherman's Warehouse, met the sales rep, uh, for pure fishing on the West Coast, got introduced to him. And then as I progressed in my career, that was the, you know, I got my foot in the door there. And then I never got paid until my first year on the elites. Oh, 2014. Wow. But I had that relationship and, you know, love the company. And that's the cool thing about where we're at with Berkeley now is I've been with them since 2007. And our product is better than ever. Um, you know, the management better than ever, like just everything going on at Berkeley right now is really good. They have a really good formula for, you know, how they're coming out with these baits, uh, the, all the testing, the input, everything they're doing is working and it's really fun to be a part of it. Same thing for Abu Garcia. Like I, I know I've been sponsored by these guys for a long time, but mm -hmm. dude, there's nothing else. Like I love my gear. I love my boat, my motor, everything I use. I would not want to change a single thing at this point. 
That's good stuff. And they've done a great job with their marketing because, I mean, you are, when you think of that brand, you think of you and you think of the red and the the white and the, the black accent boat and the primary colors with the Berkeley. And I mean, they, dude, you're, you remind me of kind of Skeet has done the same thing with uh, with Lucky Craft, right? Like there's certain anglers that are just associated with certain brands over their sure. career, regardless. And that's a that's a compliment, uh, a well, compliment to the yeah. highest regard because it's like KVD and Strike King, yeah, Lucas and Berkeley. Uh, I mean, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I love working for that company. So, they're all great. right. Um, like I said, we cover. We're equal opportunity here on BTL. So a lot of questions on the instant feedback. I have some questions about it. Uh, is the honey badger one of the, or the money badger, the whatever crankbait, the new crankbait that I'm seeing yeah. all this stuff out. Is that anything that you didn't have that on the list? Yeah. I mean, I just pulled a couple things off. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about Norman and things I was going to use there, but a couple of my new favorite things is the swim jig. That is that scented? It is. This oh, is yeah. He wins, who wins that? Who wins that bet? And then uh, that money badger is definitely legit. Is that the answer to uh, uh, Shad Rat? No, it's it's more like your wiggle wart style bait. Casts really well, comes in a few different sizes. So it's beefier. It's not as I've never had one in my hands. It's not slim. It's it's got some mass to it. Yeah, a little bit thicker in the back. You can see there. It's not thin. The bad shad is would be our shad wrap, you know, okay. deal. But uh this guy right here, there's a lot. And our our engineers right now for plastics and for hard baits are just they're really good. They're really incredible and they're doing they're doing awesome stuff. That money badger is the real deal. All right, Lake Norman, I, I got you up there with thrift. I know he's got the piles. I know he can run 150 spots, but it's spotted bass that time of year. I think that this suits you incredibly well. You're hungry for the W. There's no reason that you won't be in this thing going into the final hour of the Derby, Justin. I like it. I like it. I like your prediction. Do you I mean, disagree like with any of that? No, I mean, I just want to get there and start fishing. Like, that's where I'm at. I want to get there, get it figured out. Um, of course, five fish limit now. So maybe can, you know, mix in a few more swim bait, like maybe a few bigger things. I think that's the only thing that's really going to change for me as a fisherman is being able to throw like maybe a couple bigger baits now. Red crest, but, five bass limit. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought that since I thought that they were doing every fish counts at Norman. So it's the five fish limit. Correct. Yeah, the only okay. ones that are here, every fish counts as heavy hitters in the team series. Okay, I like your chances even more now. We'll see, man. We'll see. I don't know. I just got to get there. I gotta, I, I'm got i going to go fish the Toyota Harris chain in a couple of weeks. I just need to get – I'm itching, man. My wife, a couple of mornings ago, we're having coffee. She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I just – I got to fish a tournament. So talk to me after Harris chain in Toho, and I'll be real fired up for Norman. I want to go win the Toyota Harris chain like in a couple of weeks. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, and he wins. Awesome. What else did you grab off the wall there, Justin? Oh, dude, you know, you got to grab that guy. The stunner. Stunna. Yeah. I think he's legit. Great bait. Uh, and then of course this guy, Fritz side five, Fritz HD, side. Brown crawl. That's what Bobby, you know, caught a lot of fish on. Mm -hmm. 
at Grand Lake along with the jig last year. But uh, those are just, you know, some pre-spawn baits that I was thinking might work at Norman. But I wanted to show you guys that jig and glad you brought up the money badger because that's a good one too. Okay, be honest. Do you like carry, do you have some Mega Bass Plus Ones or just regular, do you have some of that stuff in your boat too? So what's where we're at now with Berkeley is like I've had to, they've pretty much made like everything that I've needed and had mm -hmm. to buy in, you know, the past several years that they didn't have, uh, we have now. And so my, my goal always, you know, I can't throw a Berkeley bait every single time, but my goal is to start and try my best to throw it. And yeah. I have so much confidence in our stuff. Like people talk about scent on baits or whatever. And I've never, I've been with them so long. Like I don't even think about scent on my baits because it already has. Oh, and, and I, I love that, you know, to me, that is something that I feel like will help even my a guy like myself, maybe if not get a couple more bites, maybe just get the fish to hold it a little bit longer. And, uh, that's important for me, you know? So I love our product, man. Our soft plastics are amazing. Our hard baits have just totally come around ever since we did top waters and dredgers and frit sides, uh, choppos, all that stuff. So. I feel like there's just certain, certain, so like, I feel like 98% of guys are going to have a Spro rock crawler or a storm wiggle wart or a, a mega bat, regardless of who they're sponsored by. Like there's just a couple, you know, across the board, regardless of who you are. Like, I think it'd be hard to go into someone's boat and not find at least one wiggle wart this time of year. I mean, you gotta, have, I have wiggle warts just, yeah. you, can't, you can't get rid of them. Yeah. I still have them. Like it's hard to sell an old bait or like give it away or something. What am I going to do with that thing? So, but this, this stunner right now, I mean, I picked that up myself. Like if mm -hmm. I want to throw jerk bait, I have total confidence in that thing. It is a fish catcher. Very, very good bait. That's good stuff. Uh, what else are you looking forward to in 2023 uh, on the schedule? I know you said you're looking forward to getting the, just getting the season started, but uh, other than that, what else is, Man, we have, I, you know, I think personally we have a great schedule starting there at the Kissimmee chain, but, uh, you know, and then Norman, I don't know if Norman is like going to be a great, you know, tournament lake to watch. There hasn't really been a big pro tournament there in a while, but um, Lake Murray, that place is underrated. I'm really, really pumped. Dude, it's your year, place. man. Lake Murray, then Gunnersville. It's your year. Of course, Cayuga, St. Clair, Saginaw Bay. You live on that. How do you not? You always catch them up north. Like, dude, you're going to be in it. You have to be in it. I don't think there's any way you're not going to be in it this year. I don't know. Like, name one where you don't expect to top five. Like, <laughs> where you would be happy with a top ten. Well, Name I would be happy at every single one of them with a oh, top Oh, that's 10 BS. That's BS. You're not going to be happy if you finish if I top 10 at Saginaw single, Bay. If I top 10 every event, I would win AOI and I would be very I know, happy. but there's a difference between, eh, I made the top 10 and holy cow, I made the top 10 here. I'm thrilled. Like where you I feel think, like you're getting out of town after you just robbed the bank with a 10th place finish, not doing what you expected. Uh, Name one. Just Name say one. Douglas. Douglas. Okay. That's the one in March, you know, Douglas and then Cherokee in the same week. That's the one. If I got out of there with the top 10, I'd feel good about it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what do you have going up? Anything people can watch, listen to, social medias? 
you have an up-to-date website, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you're one of the few uh, anglers with an actual up-to-date website. You gotta look professional, even if no one goes there. <laughs> you do your own Instagram stuff? I do, dude. So that's like when you say me getting back to you, like I do, I still do everything myself. I think uh, Brandon still does everything himself. And there are some guys that don't, but we, um, you know, or at least for me, I love to be able to write people back. And even though sometimes it takes me a couple of weeks, I try to write everybody back. I try to look through every comment. If people have questions, try and answer them. That's always just been important for me to do for myself. So. That's good stuff. All right. Yeah. What else you got? Man, I don't know. That's about it. Kids I'm, I'm picking up my new boat. I'm picking up my new boat either oh, today. Oh, there's no boat in the garage. That's weird. No boat. So I'm picking that up either today, this afternoon, or tomorrow. And then leaving for the Harris Chain Toyota next week. So I've got to get that motor broken in. But uh, other than that, we'll be good to go. It's the same exact boat I had last year, so not many changes. Your stuff always no. clean? Dude, come on. You know it is, Matt. It is. It's not... You're, you're not ever like, I, I got to get this stuff picked up. If it is, if it's dirty, I can't go fishing until it's cleaned up, dude. Like, I just can't. In my mind, I can't do it. So that's why I spent a lot of time in here in the winter, getting everything super organized, very prepared. That way, when the season starts, like, I'm totally confident. It's weird to say that, but, like, I'm more confident and think I'll catch more fish if I'm more organized like this, I've always been that way pretty much. Sorry, my ADD kicked in. You were talking about how your boat and motor were pretty much the same as last year. Yeah. So it's all the same. I mean, my, that rig I had this year was so good that I just did the exact same thing. The only difference I made is run an apex at the console with a Solix because an apex has uh, two ethernet ports. So I can bypass using the box and the rod locker, like an ethernet box. I don't need that. That thing is what causes just the graphs talking back and forth and having issues. So now I'll run one cord to the front unit or to a unit up front and one cord to the unit on the side of the console. And now I'll have three graphs that'll talk to each other all through the cord. And that is literally the only thing I did different. Everything else is the same. I like it. Uh, JD yeah. Lucas doesn't want any of that smoke. He's ducked me every time I've tried to make it happen. JD. Yeah. When is the oh? When is the pain I don't know, Matt. Grill off, no pellets, stick burner, brisket. Ooh. Do you? You don't cook anything. You don't have a, like a real, real smoker, do you? Like with without pellets. No, uh, Hallman does. He took it with us on the open the last couple of years and we would do like brisket and shoulder and like the barbecue stuff where we'd leave. You think like, it tastes we, better off on that than pellets? I'm a pellet guy, man. Are you? Yeah, I like the I like yeah. the pellet. I mean, I'm not afraid to cook on gas or, or uh charcoal or open <clears> fire. <throat> like so I've sent you some stuff. I'm I've got a little obsession with watching the stuff on open flame. I know it's cool. It is fun to watch. Just the sound of that sizzle. Sometimes they're cooking them on rocks, dude. I've seen like the heated up rocks and they're just slapping a steak. On yeah. Rock. 
I like the cast iron with the lard on an on an open flame. I think that that adds some character to the meat. But no, I'm I'm ninety five percent a pellet guy. Okay. What about you? Yeah, you, you well, you haven't been sending me many pictures of anything you've been cooking lately. So I've been on the venison lately. Okay. Right. What are what are you working with these days? What did I make? I just did some steaks last night. Dude, I'm pretty much, we're steak and burger, uh, chicken thighs, you know, nothing that's crazy. But the one thing I'll say, if you've never had smoked meatloaf and you have a Traeger, you need to make smoked meatloaf. And that's probably what you'll tell me about the smoked bologna, right? Like most people Yeah, the smoked bologna is good. You have to score it and then use a... a it, right? uh, Use a like a honey, like a honey a salt, honey brine. Yeah, yeah. And then get uh, bark. They call that the bark of the bologna. Uh, depending on how long you smoke it, is how 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 thick that bark's going to be. How much that? I got you. Because I mean, it's just a log of processed meat. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. It takes a lot. It's hard to to get any flavor in there. Not here. So, all right. Well, I'm going to let you go, Justin. I greatly appreciate the time. Love being uh, on here, man. Thank you for having me. Yep, you are, uh, are the man. You're welcome anytime you have any good stories, anything that comes up. You know my number, and uh, I'll continue to challenge you uh, when we go through Alabama, when I drive through Alabama to a cookout. Well, I just, saw, I just saw somebody say have a cookout for the listeners, and that would be kind of cool. Maybe we could do that, like just have a cookout somewhere, maybe at one of our tournaments or something, and uh, you know, just try and get a bunch of people there that want to come. BTL yeah. followers, some of my followers, whatever. Yeah, that would be. Uh, yeah, we need to figure out something like that. I've been lurk- working on something like that for the last couple. You got, of years. You got the meat hookup, so you know, bring some of that bologna or whatever, dude. Couple, we'll couple pounds it. of bologna. Maybe like, <laughs> like twenty like, pounds of bologna, and then you have to do the barbecue sauce on it. No, it's good. I'll, I'll have to get back on. I haven't done a. I haven't done a. Is it a log or a steak? What do they call that? A baloney? I call it a log. log. Haven't done a log in a while. I hear you. All right, dude. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Justin. See ya. You guys say, yeah, have a good day. Bye. All right. That was Justin Lucas. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite guests on BTL always tells it like it is. And, uh, I give him a hard time sometimes, but I like the fact that he's always, uh, always game for it. And if you actually like look at his stats, I mean, you're talking elite series angler of the year, multiple uh, elite series wins, BPT wins, well over a million dollars. He's done it all from the time he started fishing uh, in 2010 in the front of the boat. Uh, on the FLW tour, so it's hard to believe if you if you think about it. Uh, he's only been in this 13 years, 10, 20. This is 2023. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a long time, but you know, he started right there on the same time as as Polinick. Uh, that that year class of Wheeler, I believe, won the All American in 2011. So his rookie year would have been 2000. And- 12 so like you take uh Polinick and lucas and wheeler that all started fishing professionally between 2010 and 2012 and then think about the fact that they have 20 to 30 years left unless any of them decide to rick clun it and then they've got like 50 years left but all right we're going to take our final show uh final break of the show when we come back uh some Really important stuff on what's going on with day four tomorrow. A chance to win some of Frank's baits that that ends at midnight tonight. 
uh, and then a look ahead at next week. Uh, today's the 18th, so I'm looking at the schedule now. The 19th, that means uh, Frank's in studio next week. So uh, we'll kind of talk about what's going on with that. This is BTL on a Wednesday? Yeah, on a Wednesday with Justin Lucas. We'll be back right after this. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting BeatdownOutdoors.com. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md all right wrapping things up here on a wednesday uh tomorrow uncle frank day four number 98 as we march towards day four, number 100. And if you do the math, that means that there may or may not be an evening show sprinkled in there sometime next week because Frank will be in studio on the 27th. Also, uh, all of his merchandise, BTL uh, merchandise, hats, buffs, stickers, shirts, sweatshirts, uh, updated, all available on the BTL store. Just go to BassZone.com. Click on the Shop BTL tab at the top uh, and get your BTL merch. I love it when guys send me the Instagram uh and facebook pics of them were in the btl merch uh also on the 12th frank did a deal a, a contest to win a full set of the new colors of of uh some of his baits that is still running until midnight tonight tonight which would be january 18th uh so you have a, a chance to go over there and guess what his favorite color out of the new six is uh and then also tell your favorite uncle frank story to be eligible uh for that contest next week a uh an angler uh, one of the nice guys in the sport uh, that has not been on BTL recently, uh, but does have a hell of a resume, and that would be Casey Ashley. Casey Ashley joins us uh, January 23rd, uh, and then Frank is in studio on January 26th. I'll tell you what's handy. I got one of those. I went to uh, I went to the office depot store and i got one of those at a glance 2023 yearly planner so when you see me looking over there i actually bought the uh like the 36 pack of the expo markers so you can mark out you know what you know i got icast marked out there 
I got the classic marked out and then all my opens are in a different color and then where I'm out of town. But I can now, uh, instead of just wondering what the heck's going on, I can now glance up at my 2023 yearly planner. Um, great idea if you're fishing like multiple trails and stuff, you can like put in, you know, a different color for practice days, different color for tournament days, different colors for different trails you fish, put it up in your shop, put it up in your office. And then, you know, where you're supposed to be when, because that, times i have difficulty uh, figuring out where i'm supposed to be and when so all right guys great feedback today a lot of people on the live show uh i said i don't say very often comment like subscribe all that stuff helps in growing uh btl uh if you're listening to this on youtube and not a subscriber go to make an account subscribe to it and then also i do want to mention this uh so uh i went live on monday at noon after we did our regular show at 8 30 uh with the breaking news about the western bass shootout that i've talked about click the little bell for notifications and then you just know whenever btl is live because i'm going to be doing a bunch of different uh i'm going to be doing a bunch of different breaking news kind of live segments as it happens now with the studio at my house uh in shawnee so all right that is it for a wednesday like i said once again big shout out to justin lucas for taking the time to do that we will see everybody tomorrow for day four later